everybody, I'm Roxy, and welcome to this week's episode of Two Horny Goat. Just kidding, it's just me today. It's just one horny goat, Roxy, with my lovely goatee, you. And today is just going to be you and me, baby. It's just us kikiing. You know what I'm saying? So Prisca and I have definitely brought up the idea of solo episodes ever since the end of season one. And this is something that we've always wanted to try so that our goatees could be like having a mommy and daddy kind of talk, you know, sort of like PTA, sort of like, you know, bedtime story, kind of like, you know, quality time, just us on our own with you checking in to see how you're feeling and so that we could be a little bit more intimate, just you and me for now, right? And then next week, Prisca's going to take over with her own solo episode so you can spend more time with mommy because we all know that I'm daddy. (laughs) Anyways, how are you? How are you doing? We really want to just take this time so that I could bring up you know, some thoughts and feelings that I've been having recently and wondering if all resonates with you. So the topic I want to talk about today is taking the unconventional path and seeing it through. In this generation, in this great resignation, in life, there are moments where we take giant leaps of faith. And I was really lucky that I took my giant leap in my 20s so that I could be where I am now in my 30s. I don't regret a single thing. I've always been the one to take the risky maneuver, the risky choice, um, the eccentric life. And it served me despite not climbing the financial ladder, despite not doing things the traditional way. I've never questioned myself in, in that sense. But for the very first time in my mid 30s, I've been sitting with this rather strange stagnation as I'm in the middle of a transition in a cycle that I'm in. And For the first time, I have nothing on the horizon, and it really scares me. So how did this all start? Well, first of all, can you believe it's almost May of 2022? Cannot believe that it's already half of the year gone, just about. And I'm sitting here thinking, what have I done this year? And as a Capricorn, and as somebody who identifies as a workaholic and used to embrace the hustle and used to, you know, own this like capitalism mentality of like reaching the top of success, the pinnacle of success, making that money, you know, making those gains and being quote unquote successful. I really, really want to take this time to sort of evaluate what that success actually means and what it means to feel when you're stuck especially when you're no longer in your 20s. So I kind of want to take the time to be very vulnerable. I mean, since when are we not vulnerable on two horny goats? But um, I know that from the outside, a lot of you may know me intimately, but a lot of you may know me just through, you know, this podcast or being on social media. And as a woman in her mid thirties and not as a Gen Z TikToker or, you know, content creator, I do feel like I'm starting to shift and come from everything and what I used to identify as success from a very different lens. And a lot of this really has to do with me learning to be more gentle with myself from goalposts that I used to post for myself expectations I used to have for myself 
and all in all, just really understanding that life and success is nonlinear. And we could fall into sort of these institutional expectations of trying to get to a certain point or trying to be a certain somebody at a certain point. And all of this could be really damaging um, to your mental health or to your sense of self, especially when you feel like you're experiencing life at a different pace than those people and friends that are around you. So I'm here to be your best friend today and to affirm you on your journey and to say that, no, you are not alone and to affirm that, yes, life is indeed peaks and valleys and that success is never linear. So this is also for me to affirm myself and I hope that this will affirm you as well. So go ahead, let's take a deep inhale in through our noses and hold that breath and then ah, just let that go. Just let your shoulders relax. Hmm. We need that sometimes. I think um, usually... I am a person who loves to be two to three steps ahead of where I am. I've never been a person that really goes with the flow. I am extremely cautious and I take measured risks. Um, If I'm working on something right now, I always have two to three things that are coming to me in my future. But for the very first time, I don't have that. So I just want to be able to share what it is that I'm feeling, the discomfort that I'm currently sitting in, And if you are also feeling this way after listening to this episode, please also let me know. You can write to me at hello at twohornygoats.com and um, be sure to share your insight. One thing in particular that I've noticed is um, I'm a single woman in my mid thirties living in Los Angeles. And I remembered being an only child and being a woman, my expectation was to be married at this time, have children and maybe have a career. Right. And I think there was a time earlier last week or maybe this entire month, who the fuck knows where I just thought, I don't know if I have any of that. Right. Um, there was a crazy point when I thought, what if I just didn't do filmmaking anymore? And these Conversations happen a lot in our industry just because it is an industry that expects, that demands a lot out of you, you know, Um, anybody who knows, knows. And you really need to develop resilience and thick skin, not take rejections though personally, and to always keep the eye on the goal and one foot in front of the other. But what does it feel like when your goal feels so out of reach that you've started on this journey, that you're at this stage in your life? But the goal still seems so far away. I was having a conversation with my mom the other day. And, you know, she obviously has expectations for me out of love. Right. Um, But I feel very whole and fulfilled in my experience, despite my struggles. And I said to her, you know, I'm living an experience that hasn't been really written down much in history, that I am a single woman in my mid 30s. Um, I live alone um, in my apartment and a lot of women at my age in generations before would already have committed themselves to marriage or to have children. Right. So I'm living in a very unique time that I haven't really read much about. And in essence, I'm thriving in it because 
I get to be able to experience this sort of undiscovered experience for a lot of people. And I know a lot of people have gone through this. It's just that it's not really publicized or really talked about. And I find great beauty in being able to experience my journey in this way. And it's also an incredible privilege. So after saying that, I started to recognize the fact that letting go of previous expectations of yourself, really allowing yourself to let go of the past, let go of the future, and really bringing yourself back into the present. And what I mean by that is when we're in our heads, especially in a city, you know, no matter what city you're in across the globe, there's a lot of noise, right? There's a certain energy in the air where you feel like you have to keep up. But once that happens, we're in our heads, we're in these little pockets, you know, little units, these little enclaves, like a little space of earth, a little your little slice of earth, whether it's in like a little unit in an apartment or a little bubble that you have in this city. And you may feel so isolated and so alone. Right. But at the same time, how do you get yourself out of your head? You start to think when you're in those pockets of solitude, Sometimes your brain goes to crazy places, you know, and for me, the biggest way that I could bring myself back to myself is by coming back to my body. So even that small breath that we took together earlier, y'all, like I feel a buzz in my body. I feel that I could be sensitive to where my fingers are, where my breath is, you know, where my toes are like you're more sensitive of being in this beautiful vessel that is carrying your soul. And I also want to talk about like how coming back to the present can make you more mindful about where you are right now and how we should take every single opportunity to celebrate the little victories that we have. And what I mean by that is like me, maybe not meeting the projected expectations of my family or my younger self at this point. This victory of mine is that I've grown into a very mindful person, a very intelligent person, a very sensitive, nurturing person who I feel is doing everything with as much intentionality as possible. And when you stop putting so much focus on, you know, the big shit, you know, like those big peaks in your life that you could brag to your family about or let the newspapers can write about you or like those big, big moments at the end of the day. It's really about coming home to yourself, right? Coming home to the small things, getting out of bed. Did you brush your teeth today? You know, like what what other people don't see, but only you, you yourself get to see. And what your partner doesn't get to see, what your best friends don't get to see. You know, it's just what you see in yourself, this relationship with self. And I realize that as I get older, as life slows down, as people start to peel away, you know, like um, my circle gets smaller and smaller, but more and more precious. You know, my needs and desires become so much simpler, yet more rewarding. So shifting that being busy, (laughs) almost Capricorn nature into mindful intention and maximizing the little things instead of focusing on the big noise. Because if we, you know, I just feel that being in Los Angeles, obviously we're a very vain city and it's entertainment capital. It's always about what are you doing? What are you showing? How are you showing up? Right? Like, how are you being seen? Are you being seen today? Releasing that and coming back into you and I want you to really take this time to celebrate you yourself as much as possible. So, you know, I think like being in this stage 
like, especially being in our thirties, as friends start to get married, as people start to um, have kids and stuff and people enter different stages of their lives, this may trigger a lot of loneliness. And I want to ensure that being alone versus feeling lonely are two different things. I, for one, have a conversation with my partner, Ja, and Ja has ADHD. And something that he fears the most is boredom. So when he tells me this, he's like, I just don't like being bored. I just, I just don't, I feel uncomfortable being bored. And my mind scrambles for something to do or to raise my dopamine levels, you know, and sitting on the other side, I just thought, well, I'm never bored. (laughs) You know, there are days when I spend all by myself, multiple days in a week, right? There's always something to do because I have become sort of my best friend uh, throughout this journey of life. In the past, I used to surround myself with people all the fucking time. Like, like I would make my schedule so packed that there was very little space for myself, not even knowing what being alone even meant, not even understanding how nourishing that silence is. And also like the the thought about being single, right? Because I know that I say that I'm in a partnership with John. We're in a polyamorous relationship, but I'm just saying single in the fact that we're not married. I do identify as somebody who doesn't like to nest with people. I decenter romantic relationships in my life so that they fall into, you know, the same sort of field as my platonic life partners. So so I come from the, the perspective of I am my primary partner, but I'm always in relationships, right? Because romantic and platonic relationships especially those that mean a lot to me and are life partners for me are all the same level. Like I don't really uh, separate those two categories, if you would call them, or I wouldn't label them uh, too differently. So I think choosing to live a more unconventional lifestyle than what my ancestors were used to or what previous generations are used to, or even what um, most of my environment is used to, I think the biggest fear that I had when having discussions with people who are perhaps a little bit more conservative or traditional is I used to have a fear that the other party would silently judge me even as I speak my truth. So there was always this fear that they may hear that I'm polyamorous, but you just didn't have find the right person yet. Oh, like you're a filmmaker, but you'll eventually have to settle down to something a little bit more serious, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I think after I let go of that, that is a very normal fear to have is when you choose to speak your truth and you're unsure of whether or not other people's acceptance or validation of your truth is enough, but it doesn't matter what they think, right? It just matters if it's true to you and if you're honest to who you are. A lot of my tarot clients, they like to ask me this question, especially if it's their first time doing a reading with me. And they like to ask me, Roxy, I just want to know if I am on the right path. We get into these situations at times, right? Like this question will always come up in life, no matter where you are. Um, again, life is not linear. Success is not linear. Peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. And I always come back to the same question and I ask them, well, are you betraying yourself? 
Are you betraying yourself when you're sticking around in this toxic relationship that you know isn't good for you? Are you betraying yourself when you're in this really terrible (laughs) nine to five job, maybe nine to eight job, maybe nine to nine job that is seeping you of all of your energy under the guise of financial stability. Your intuition and yourself, if you listen to yourself, if you see the patterns of yourself, if you could feel if you feel disconnected, if you feel the ambition gone, if you feel the lack of joy, you you start to feel disconnected. And when you feel disconnected, that is a really big sign, right? Like your body will tell you more than anything when you're just going on autopilot. And when you're on autopilot, that's when you are separating your relationship with self. I mean, I'm not a preacher. I'm just honestly sharing what I've been learning, you know, the past couple of years. And, um, you know, in my spiritual practice, what has helped me a lot in order to become more present and to be more joyful and to choose happiness, right? Despite um, the obstacles that come in life, despite, you know, all of these challenges that may come out of left field, despite not knowing how to prepare for them. Right. As we all know, this world is quite bizarre. This timeline we're in may be the forgotten timeline, you know, Um, but I just want to I just want you to know that if you are going through what I'm feeling, which is I am in the first time in my life where I don't have anything coming down my path that I can see, I'm sitting in you know, this balance of uncertainty where if I choose to swing one way, it could go pretty dark. Right. Or if I swing the other way, I'm just scrambling back to my old patterns of survival mode where I'm just maybe, you know, go DoorDash or maybe I will go work at a boba shop. You know, maybe I'll do all these things. But where is my energy really going towards? And I just really want to thank a friend of mine, Tanner Thompson. I mean, uh, Tanny, love you. Um, And on his Instagram stories the other day, he posted about Cantor's law. Now, for those of you who are in business, you know, who have studied this, you may know of this. So Rosabeth Moss Cantor, who is a professor at um, Harvard Business School, says this. Her law says that everything looks like failure in the middle. Now, what does that mean? So whenever you have an idea or you have a spark of something, right, I think all of us can resonate with this. When you're at the very beginning of a journey, you feel very excited. There's all this excitement. There's all this passion. There's all this drive, right? You are illuminated with a light bulb and you're just like, hell yeah, like, let's go for it. I could see myself doing this. It's going to be um, really amazing. I can't wait. I have all this energy. Let's take it on, right? And then at the end, when you're almost near finishing it, you're just like, oh, my goodness, like I spent all this time working on it. Like we're going to celebrate because it's the end. Like the reward is there for us to reap. However, we rarely like think about the middle, which is the most (laughs) horrible part, right? It's the most miserable part. It's the part where you're in the middle of creating. You have no idea where the end is, right? It's a lot like filmmaking. (laughs) Actually, it is filmmaking, but it's like, you know, you get, you get the the okay on a project. Who knows how long it could take. It could sit in like, um, you know, film development purgatory forever, right? Or it could just be anything. You have a 1000 piece puzzle. You get super excited because you see the end goal on, on the top of the box and you're like, I can do that. I just need to be patient and resilient and I can do it. But it's a lot more challenging than it seems, Right. Because you have the end product in your head, but you need the resilience and patience and determination and discipline in order to get through to the end. 
Another aspect to this law is discussing failure because in the middle, you're going to fail a lot. And the more you fail, the closer you are to your goal. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's like, what was that saying? Um, you found it a thousand ways that it doesn't work, right? But also failing means that it is actually acclimating you to be more okay with change. And this is something that happens a lot with filmmaking. Like I remembered when I was a really young director, I needed everything to be as close to my original vision as possible. And you realize this whenever, you know, especially when I work with a lot of, you know, new directors on a project, it is very hard for them to be flexible. They have a reference. They want to be exactly this way. You know, they have sketches of a design. It needs to be as close as possible to their original vision. However setbacks happen, you know, on a shoot, suddenly there's a tornado, everything gets shut down. Suddenly the part that you ordered or, um, the process trailer or whatever just doesn't show up that day. The drone doesn't come. You can't get those shots, right? What can you do? There's literally nothing you can do to make a drone appear out of thin air for you to get those shots, right? I can't make the tornado go away uh, out of pure will. There are so many things in life that we cannot control. And when you let go of that need to control and you release that need and you just detach from it, like that circumstance that's happening is outside of you. Well, then what can you control? Right. And it comes down to mindset, because then when you shift that in your head saying, well, now I can't do this and you go, oh, no. But now that I know that doesn't work. So let me try it this way instead. The language in which you talk to yourself creates new dialogue, new neural pathways, new energy for you to shift that. Now, the energy may not be as big as the ones when you were first starting off on your journey. It might be a little bit slower and it might need a little bit more motivation, but it's still energy nonetheless. And I also found that during this time, talking to my trusted friends and close ones about this help a lot because they're the first ones to tell me, Roxy, do you know who the fuck you are? You know, you're Roxy motherfucking she. And that just immediately lifts my spirits. So um, if you're afraid of picking up the phone call to like call a friend and ask for help about something, oh my God, do it. Like, Sometimes somebody else will just offer you a different insight or perspective about yourself. And that one phone call could be all you need. So let's not think of failure as the daunting, catastrophic word that it sounds like. But it's just another way of helping us move a step closer to our actual end. So this Cantor's Law, like helps me like really think about all of the times when I had the start of cycles and the ending of cycles. And in my head, I will reflect so happily on the start of something remembering when I partnered with a person or like when I, or like the ending, when I celebrated the movie making of film festival or et cetera, et cetera. And I realized that my brain tends to erase all the difficult shit. <laughs> and I'm not sure if that's a trauma response probably is right. But I just, I just forget how tedious it is, you know, the 18 hour days, the 150 degree, you know, sun and heat, people getting pissed over not having water, right? Like just really the challenges of the action, of the commitment or in a relationship, in a really long term relationship, the beginning is always really exciting, right? And then the middle is 
over time, you know, if you're with somebody or a few people and you're just like, well, where is this going? Do are we even going? Does the other person want to go to? And and there's like different stages, right? I mean, sometimes the ending isn't the most celebrating thing, but, you know, sometimes the ending of the quote unquote girlfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend thing is like, oh, marriage, right? We got there. And that's like the start of a new cycle, right? So it's like these little cycles, these big cycles. And it's like, oh, the, the beginning and the end sort of meet at this point where it's like a lot of excitement. And then the rest of the circle sort of like this long, uncertain, how big does the circle actually get? And how fast does the end actually reach back to the beginning again? Right. How do we actually close this fucking hole? You know, but, um, you know, just hearing about Cantor's law really humbled me because it made me realize that I am currently in the middle Right. I'm in the middle of a transition. And what I mean by that is, you know, from the outside, I guess I I can be considered a successful filmmaker because I've done stuff. Um, I've had a lot of opportunities. I'm very grateful for them. But at the same time, I I want to transition and I want to do bigger things and I want to uh, jump into a different level, you know. But in doing so, I need to make room for it. I need to let go of what I've been doing in the past. And that requires work and that requires sacrifice. And that requires me not saying yes to all the things that I used to say yes to. And that's really hard. That big jump isn't immediately that that end result. That reward isn't going to show up tomorrow at 8 a.m. Be like, Roxy, good job for waiting for two days. Here it is. So what can I do with this time when I feel like the goal is some sort of arbitrary length away from me reaching it? It could be maybe it looks like an oasis at the horizon. And who knows how far that oasis? It could be 100 meters, could be, you know, 5000 meters. Who the fuck knows? Right. But all I can focus on is where my feet are. So as long as I keep putting one foot in front of the other, I'm going to get closer to my destination. Another thing is that like to be mindful of focusing on your own path rather than being too reliant on everybody else's path. Because I think especially in an artist's sort of mental health, especially with social media and the Internet, um, the fight for visibility could be kind of crazy. Right. So just tune it out, you know, take social media breaks, come back to you, come back to your body and then just put one foot in front of the other. In this time of the middle, I told myself I wanted to work on my writing. And before, I was a little resentful about why things weren't moving as fast as they used to for me. But that's also, I made the commitment to expand my craft in a different sense. And that also means not being on set all the time, right? And honing in on a very different skill that I feel very insecure at. And during this time, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with so many groups of different talented writers and all of them have taught me something just because that paycheck isn't coming, isn't for me to see in front of me, doesn't mean that it doesn't have value. So again, this is teaching me about what is value to me? What is success? Is it monetary? Is it all these things, all of these old ways of thinking that I would attach success and um, money to, right? Or value to. All the things I used to attach success and value to are completely different now. And so this is also to affirm that, you know, I've gotten this far, you've gotten this far. 
Take the time to think about five years ago, where were you? Where were you sitting? Who were you talking to? Who was your community? Who was your circle? And now open your eyes, see where you are. Take a look at what's around you. Think about what you've accomplished. Think about your surroundings. Hasn't so much changed for the better? So I just wanted to really take this time today so that we could all slow down and think about how far we have come. And it's easy to get caught up in grand expectations of yourself. But we are human, you are human, and also I am human. And it only makes sense to be gentle with yourself. One thing that they talk about in psychology is when you recognize a pattern. And the thing is, when you used to go into patterns, it happens subconsciously, right? For example, my addiction to working. And now that I realize that I had an addiction to working, all that it boils down to now is simply a choice. Will I continue to fall into that need of working nonstop in order to feel purposeful? No, right? So ever since I made this new promise to myself with the expansion in writing, I also made a promise that every project I do from now on will be one that I commit to intentionally. And I made this intention at the top of the year. I think I've also mentioned it in our intention setting episode. But what happens when these ammunition runs out, you know, sort of this uh, Cantor's law, right? Feels like failure. So then when I think about failure, which is like the worst thing a Capricorn can ever fathom for themselves, I will inevitably try to self-soothe, but it also happens to be self-sabotaging when I start a million different things. But then in starting a million different things, won't I run into Cantor's Law in a million different ways all over again? So that's when I realized that I had that pattern and I had to stop myself and sit sort of in this stillness and in this space where I could reflect deeply on the value of that. Because at the end of the day, no one really cares what you're doing, right? The only two people's opinions of you that should matter at the end of the day is what eight-year-old you and 80-year-old you would think about your actions now. <laughs> so take it day by day. Check in with your own progress. Journaling really, really helps. And just think about what you've accomplished. Go on your fucking Instagram archives. Look at your stories. Look at what you were doing two years ago. Right. Look at all the things, all the tiny little steps that have amounted into this giant climb up this mountain. Right. And celebrate that. Recently, I had a discussion with a friend of mine, Jewy. Shout out, Jewy. And um, I've been letting her know of my, you know, my circumstances and my my mental battles with myself during this time when I feel like I have no control over anything. And she said, Roxy, you're burnt out. And I go, no, I'm not. Like, I literally haven't worked on anything big for almost a year now. And she said, no, 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 you've, you're, you're burnt out from years and years and years and years and years and years of nonstop, you know, action, I guess. And I came to think about it. And I thought, even if I don't have anything big, quote unquote, my anxiety and energy is feeding that anxiety. So when have I truly rested? When has my brain actually become quiet? When have I actually sat in that true silence of gentle rest? And I realized I haven't. 
And that's why I feel tired all the time. Like even if I do sleep, I do sleep longer. And recently I realized I was like looking at a study and they say that burnout actually takes years to heal. (laughs) So in a way it's like, you know, sometimes you feel like you take a vacation for two weeks. It just goes by and you feel like you never really rested. And I think we're actually starting to realize what burnout actually is in this generation, right? We have the pandemic to thank for that. And we also have this, you know, um, we also have this release of this, uh, the stigma of discussing mental health in the public sense being lifted too. So there's a lot to thank for that. Um, and I really have to thank Joey for that because that sort of recalibrated what I really thought about burnout. So anyways, go tease. Uh, that was a very delightful rant that I just had, but also I felt Right. Having this be the topic of the day where I really want to talk about celebrating small victories and how life is nonlinear. And I hope that wherever you are, you know, that we could destigmatize the idea of having our shit together in our 20s, 30s, 40s and beyond. And that life is just a beautiful, chaotic mess and that we have each other to lean on during those times when we're deep in the valley, you know, because when you go back down, you're going to go back up. So if that's any encouragement, I know that if you're in the valley like I am, we're going to come up eventually soon. (laughs) So I'm here cheering you on. And now uh, we're just going to go to the ad. So uh, I'll be right back and then we'll jump into the last section of my solo episode. Burb. Hi, Goatees. We love hanging out with you every week. If you're liking what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us a lot and we will be eternally grateful. Okay, bye. And welcome back, Goatees. It's me, it's your girl, Roxy. And uh, I think it's time for... All right. So I really want to share a recipe with y'all today. And then I want to share like a TV show. So, um, on TikTok, there is this gorgeous creator called Eden Von Weiss, like, or Von Weiss. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, but she is literally like a Pacific Northwest, like fairy, like forest fairy. She is so beautiful, clearly a model, um, but she does these very like witchy, um, comfort videos where she just goes into the forest and, and goes into the lake and makes miso soup and has all these decadent little recipes and her cottage and uh i i'm all vibes for her honestly i think eden uh call me collab if you hear this and she recently shared a recipe that i just tried for lunch today and i really want to share it because i never thought i could have onigiri this way but um if you all know what onigiri is it's the japanese rice balls so uh what we do or what she does that i decided i'm just going to call this my recipe because i do do something different so i basically make some sushi rice right? And then we put kimchi juice in it. Yes. So we're going to basically infuse that delicious vinegary sushi rice with some kimchi juice, making a nice like orange red color. And then I'm going to mix in some furikake. So then you're going to put in all those rice seasonings and you're also going to mix that in as well. And then you're going to put on like your little plastic gloves, you know, the ones that Korean people like to do when they like mix everything around, like uh, they just get down and dirty in there, like fuck the forks, 
fuck the spoons, fuck the chopsticks. You just get your hands in there and you mix everything around. Yeah. So then you're going to make them into tiny little rice balls, right? Onigiri. Um, and then you're going to make them into little rice balls and you're going to set those aside. Okay. So now that you have your little balls, <laughs> we're going to turn up the stove and we're going to put a pan on. Right. And then once you're heating your pan, you're going to cut up some butter and you're going to throw the butter in there. And then you're going to put some sesame oil, you're going to put some sesame oil in there. And then you're going to put some soy sauce, like very little soy sauce. And you put that in there. So just be very careful because of the heat so high is going to pop and sizzle and then it, the oil is just going to jump everywhere and burn you. So just put it on a low heat and then you put your onigiri on there and then you can like smash the onigiri a little bit more. So it's like a little bit flatter, like flatter rice cakes. And then you're just going to grill both sides. So then your rice cake or rice patty or whatever the fuck shape you're making it is going to turn into like this very crispy, like brown. And it's going to have like soy sauce and butter and the fragrant smell of sesame oil on it as well. And then you're just going to do both sides. So then by the end, you have a crispy rice cake that's like salty and savory and buttery and like kimchi -y. so it has like all these delicious flavors and it has like furikake in it so it's like super tasty and you could just eat it like that and then so it's like so delicious um I also like to put some kimchi on the side so I can like put like a slice of kimchi like on top of my crispy rice and then eat it like that oh so delicious highly recommend um it could be as a snack or you can have it as a meal. Um, but if you want to have it as a meal, I would recommend some protein with it. So next time I'm going to do this again, but I'm going to put tuna in it as well. So I will keep you all posted if that actually works out. I have a feeling it will. And it's going to be really delicious. So that is my recipe of the day. And then going on to my official unsolicited dick, I mean, pick. No dick pics, please. I do not want unsolicited dick pics. Thank you very much. Um, I uh, have been recommended a show from my friend Jet Kwan, who's amazing. If you if you want to check her out, she has music on Spotify. She is a Guzhen and a pop singer. So that is extremely unique. And she has the voice of an angel and her music is like so incredible. So go and check her out. And Jet recently recommended me this show on HBO Max called um, Tokyo Vice. And I know everyone's talking about Severance. Um, I know Priska and I love Severance. So if you have whatever, just go watch Severance on Apple TV. Yeah. Okay. That's out of the way. I'm going to talk about Tokyo Vice because there hasn't been a show that's like that showcases like the Japanese. I don't know. There hasn't been a Japanese show like on in mainstream in like a very long time. And Ansel Egg, I'm saying his name wrong. You know, I just don't talk to anybody. So I'm saying everything wrong. But he learned fluent Japanese for this role. I know he's under some sexual assault cases and that's like really, really bad. But he he learns fluent Japanese for this show. And uh, he's really freaking good in it. I mean, everyone's the, the show is like, I don't know, like 75 uh, percent all spoken in Japanese. And I just have to say um, it is a really great engrossing show. Like all the acting is super good. Um, the writing is good and it keeps you on the edge of your seat. It's about like the underground Yakuza scene. And it was based on, uh, Jake Adelstein's, um, writings when he was an investigative reporter in Tokyo in the nineties. And then I just have to shout out to the actor's show Kasamatsu who plays Sato. Oh my God. If you ever want like a brooding Yakuza character to, thirst over he is your guy 
So thank you so much, Jet. Love this show. I think we're about halfway through the season on HBO Max. Go check it out. Um, definitely my wreck of the day. So we're going to end this episode with one more deep breath in, maybe three breaths, because I want to be able to leave you all in your bodies and not in your heads, all right? So let's just take a moment and close your eyes. And I want you to pull in deeply and through your nose, breathe in. And I want you to feel that oxygen traveling into your lungs, expanding within your body, all the way down to your lower belly. And slowly exhale out. Nice and slow like a decompressing balloon. One more time in through your nose, six counts, breathe in. Hold, and same amount of counts out. Now last time, Make this your deepest and fullest inhale yet. Breathe in. And exhale. Hmm. Thank you all, Goatees, so much. I hope that you've enjoyed this one-on-one kiki with Roxy. I know Prisca's going to be taking over next week, so enjoy your time with her. And let us know if you want us to do more of these solo episodes or you're just like, you know what? I would much prefer the two of you just bang it out, <laughs> bang it out um, on the pod instead. But it's just a nice little break. We like to try new things here. You know what I'm saying? So have a horny week, my lovely Goatees. And remember, stay Horny. Love you all. Bye. I was not made for going fast. I was told to keep my hands and feet safe inside.
express Then it does context It should be easier But God is complex If I am what you made me Would you ever step to save me If I was going down the wrong path Are these the cards you played me Play right within them I'll be right within them But not right now Cause I'm fucking up within them I keep on the sin And they keep on adding up They fill it up my cup And after each time I say enough Still drink that shit down Over time I doubted me 
This podcast is hosted by Roxy and Priska, music by Abraham Kim, incidental music provided by Dan, a.k.a. Dan, artwork by Connie Yen. Please visit us at twohornygoats.com. Have thoughts or questions for us? Email us at hello at twohornygoats.com.